The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hello there, everybody. It is Friday, December 1st, 2023. Welcome to December, ladies and gentlemen. And it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. What is happening, everybody? I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a fantastic week. It's going to be a very busy weekend. In the combat sports world, we're on the eve of UFC Austin. We're on the eve of BKFC 56. Ryan Garcia is back. There's a lot going on. And as we're doing this show live, the UFC Austin weigh-ins are going down. And sure enough, we already lost a fight. We lost a fight. The great Brennan Fitzgerald breaking some news right at the beginning of the weigh-ins uh, due to illness, the fight between Steve Garcia and Melchizedek Costa no longer happening on tomorrow's card, which kind of sucks because that was one of the fights that I was looking forward to. It wasn't like a ton of stakes involved, but the fight was going to be madness, and now it's no longer happening. The main event between Benil Dariush and Armin Sarukian is official. I believe Sarukian was the first of the scale. Benil Dariush was number two. Uh, Dariush weighed at 156. Armin Sarukian, 155.5. Bobby Green successfully made weight for his lightweight bout with Jalen Turner. We'll see what happens with Jalen. It's going to be probably a tight one for him, but we'll see. Davis and Figueredo, Rob Font official for Figgy Smalls's. Bantamweight debut, both fighters weighted in 135. 
Sean Brady successfully weighed in. We're still waiting on Kelvin Gastelum, who returns to 170 for the first time in several years. Clay Guida, Joaquin Silva is official as of right now. Julia Avila hit the scales successfully for the first time in a couple of years. Not that she's missed weight before, but you know what I'm trying to say. Hadolfo uh, Bellato, Ihor Poteria is official. Veronica Hardy, Jamie Lynn Horth is official. And we'll keep you posted live as this is all going down. But we can talk about UFC Austin. We can talk about BKFC 56. We can talk about the news and notes. And it is a free-for-all Friday. So essentially, we let our hair down. Everybody but me, of course, because I don't have any. And we talk about whatever you want. So... Brian will kick us off. Go ahead, man. Oh, hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Man? Thanks for uh, having me go first here. Uh, I just had a question. There are three guys uh, in particular I'm really looking forward to this weekend. Kind of in similar situations uh, for two of them, Jalen Turner, Sean Brady, and Calvin. Uh, I think Jalen Turner is a terrific fighter. Tough division, obviously, but he's kind of in danger of becoming like the lightweight Calvin where he'll have a lot of good losses, but... He really needs to start putting together the win. So I think this fight is just going to be so exciting this weekend. And kind of similar with Sean Brady, where um, he's not in that two-hole loss yet, or two-loss hole, um, but he's in danger of that. And then Calvin obviously trying out a new division. So who do you think, uh, or how do you rank those, would you say, in um, like order of importance of win, who needs it the most? Thanks, Mike. Thank you, sir. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. We have Turner, Gasolum, and Brady. I think I think Sean Brady probably has the most to lose here. Um, I know Jalen Turner's lost two in a row. There's that super close fight with Gamrod. A lot of people actually thought Jalen Turner won that fight. And he had that incredible battle with Dan Hooker. He just kind of got outdogged in that one. Also missed weight, which doesn't help. And Jalen, at least, is taking this fight on short notice, is actually doing the UFC a little bit of a favor. If you listen to his media scrum, he doesn't sound like a super confident guy. He doesn't sound all that thrilled to be there. I don't know if it's because he's cutting a whole bunch of weight. I don't know. But him saying things essentially like, I felt like I had to take this fight, almost kind of insinuating that he didn't really have much of a choice was kind of concerning to me, and I don't know. I feel like if Jalen loses, he just goes to 170 and, and takes a shot there. He's still relatively young, and he's only going to get bigger, but these cuts to 155 are just a nightmare. I didn't think we'd see him at 155 again after the hooker fight, but here he is on a little over a week's notice. We'll see how he looks on the scale when he steps in against Bobby Green. Gasolum, he's 32. I I mean, look, he's got a lot on the line, too. He's moving back to 170. I think people, he still is a name. I, I still think there's value to his name. Beating a Kelvin Gasolum as a welterweight or even a middleweight on the come up is, it's a very good litmus test. Kelvin, for the last stretch at middleweight, was kind of like the Neil Magny of the division. You go in there and you beat a guy like Calvin Gasol, you probably could be a top 10 guy in this division. That's why like the Chris Curtises were fighting him and the Ian Heinishes and, and guys like that uh, were getting in there and, and fighting Kelvin because they it was the big test. But now he's back to 170. I like where his spirits are at. 
But to me, I think it's Sean Brady. I think I think Brady has the most to lose here. And it's crazy to say for a guy who's only lost one fight in his entire career, and he's looked pretty damn good in the UFC. He's got the long layoff. He's newly married. He's got a fresh perspective on things. He's dealt with a lot of injuries and just some weirdness with, you know, infections and things of that nature. But Brady, everybody was so high on Sean Brady. Everybody was so – like heading into the Michael Chiesa fight, everybody was so high on Sean Brady. And then he had a great first round against Chiesa, was, won the second round, then the third round. Chiesa started to turn it on. Brady started to gas a little bit, had the, the, dealing with uh, some issues with his nose and breathing out of his nose and everything that happened there. And Chiesa was very close to getting him out of there. So a lot of people were a little trepidatious, like, yeah, this guy's really good. Maybe it is just the nose. Who knows? And then Bilal Muhammad just kind of beat the hell out of him and finished him. And a lot of people who are on the Brady bandwagon have seemed to have fallen off. And this is a big fight for him. He goes out there and puts the boots to Kelvin Gastelum and dominates him over 15 minutes. If he finishes Kelvin Gastelum, which is not easy to do, then I think everybody jumps back on board. But Gasolum, I st- still think, will have a pretty decent career. He is a pretty fun fighter. And again, he is a name. There's value to that. Jalen Turner, he's got a lot riding on it because I feel like his future in this division is on the line here. Even though this, I think this will probably be his last fight at 55 anyways. And then I kind of feel like if Sean Brady is going to be that title contender everybody expected him to be, he's got to win tomorrow. He has to. And if he doesn't, I feel like I feel like his road to a belt is going to be a very, very, very long one. And I feel like a lot of the people that supported him and thought – I don't know if support's the right word, but a lot of people who are super high on him will kind of come back to earth to some respect. But I, I still feel like Sean Brady could be a top five guy. I haven't f- jumped off that thought just yet, but we'll see how tomorrow goes. But that's a really good question. It's tough to lose two in a row in these divisions. Tristan, go Mike, ahead. Can you hear me? The yep. funny thing, the funny thing about Jalen Turner uh, being at one fifty-five, he started at one seventy when he got into UFC. Because um, I remember the fight when he fought Vicente Luque, which he lost. So it was so surprising that he dropped down to one fifty-five. So I, I don't know. I think you're right. He might have to just go back to one seventy. But my my question here um, that I want to focus on is Armin Sarukian. Um, Mike, you've said it many times that you feel Armin Sarukin is going to be champion. And, um, again, you're very high on him. My question to you is, what is your expectation here against Benil Dariush? Um, I was looking at his topology page again with Armin Sarukin. He's dominated um, the middle of the pack. He's finished those guys. And, you know, he fought Gamera. I thought he won that fight. He lost by unanimous decision. And then that fight against um, Demir Uzmogulov, he won by unanimous decision. And, listen, I get it. Top five guys, it's just they're hard to finish. It's just, it's just you're, you're, you're facing the cream of the crop. So, but I know we're nitpicking here, but do you want to see him finish Benil? Or you're just fine with him just getting a unanimous decision against Benil Dariush, and then we just move along and just 
you know, keep on trucking along as long as you get the win, which is the name of the game. But in your mind, do you want to see him get a finish on Benil in this fight coming up? Just your thoughts and expectations. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I love this matchup. I still feel like the betting value is on Benil Darius here. Uh, the line is closed slightly, but not by much. Serkin's pretty much a minus 300 favorite across the board. Darius plus 240. Uh, I fully agree with Sarukin being the favorite. I don't fully agree with him being this big of a favorite. So I think there's a ton of value. Like to me, when I look at this fight, Sarukian should be like minus 185, minus 200 at the most, and even that I think is a little bit of a stretch. But now we're fl- we're f- we're at minus 300, minus 298 on DraftKings. I feel like there's a ton of value on Darius at that price. Having said that, if you're like fully on Team Sarukian, and look, I, I've just been high on the guy for years, even before the Islam Makachev fight, like. I saw this guy fight at like 20, 21 years old. Even before that, I was like, holy shit, this guy's got something. If he can like put it all together. And I do feel like he is a pretty interesting guy. And I feel like if he gets into a big spot, I think people are going to learn a lot more about him and be a lot more intrigued with him. <sighs> do I mean, look, if he goes out there and just runs Benil and just puts him out in the first round, which I don't think is going to happen. I mean that's huge. That that does a lot for that does a lot for him, obviously. What I'm looking for, if I'm if I'm looking at this strictly from, hey, I'm on I'm I'm a Sarukian coach or something like that, and even just somebody who like has a futures bet for Sarukian to become a champion in 2024 and 2025. I kind of want to see Sarukian go long here. Uh I still even after like 130 watches, I feel like Sarukian beat Matush Gamrot. There's not one time I watched it where I was like, yeah, maybe I'm wrong. I thought Sarukian won that fight. Having said that, I understand why people would be a little bit concerned going back and watching that fight because he did slow down and Gamrot clearly was the fresher guy at the end of those 25 minutes. And I think Sarukian took a lot away from that fight. If you don't learn anything from that fight, I just don't know what we're doing in this sport. So something tells me Sarukian took a lot away from that fight. Sarukian getting a first-round finish would be massive. The UFC would give him a big opportunity. But I think I would learn a lot more about Sarukian if he goes out there and... like if he To me, if he goes out there and just lands a flash knockout, like that'd be incredible. But... If he goes out there and like 49-46 is Dariush, and like this fight is not all that competitive, to me, I will take a lot more away from that. Then I like, and he doesn't slow down. You know, he gets a little bit tired, but if he just goes out and just it's just if this is just a one-way traffic fight for 25 minutes and it's all Saruki and maybe he drops a round or takes a round off, like I think I'll take more away from that than just a quick finish. But either way, it's it's a big win. It's a big win. And by the way, this whole notion that I got to tell you, and I've talked about this on the show a lot. We talked about it on BTL yesterday as well. But Neil Dariush on the microphone is just awful. He just says just the worst things. He might be the worst when it comes to having a microphone and, and, and answering questions and saying things. He's a sharp guy, and, and I like him. But just some of the things he says is just 
it's just not right. First of all, screwing the pooch after the Gamrot win was just one of the worst performances on the microphone I've ever seen. This whole, hey, I'll fight 10 more times. What are you talking about? The fucking lightweight title is on the line, which is vacant at the end of the card. And you don't come out and say, hey, whoever wins that fight, I'm next. Like, you don't say that. And then coming out there at the media day and saying, I don't gain anything from this fight. What are you talking about? I just like to fight good guys. What? What are you doing? That is just the wrong thing to say. What you should be saying is, yeah, this guy's a killer. Nobody wants to fight this guy. I wanted to fight this guy. He's the guy everybody seems to be super duper high on, and everybody avoided him but me. Everybody squatting in the rankings. I took this fight. I wanted the smoke. I wanted to fight this guy. This whole I don't gain anything is just not true. After Charles Oliveira melted him, we were like, damn, dude, Benil Dariush is out of the title picture. He may never get a title shot. And with this fight on this card, in this spot, not in the apex, he's in play. This is, this is it. This is do or die for Benil Dariush. If he loses to Armin Sarukian, he will never, ever, ever get a title shot. Like, the door is closed, locked, deadbolted, chained up, boarded up, never, ever, ever getting a title shot. He wins, he's a win away. To say you gain nothing here is insanity to me. And what if he do, just goes out and beats Armin Sarukian? You, you have, in people's minds, that you gain nothing from this fight. Sarukian's a good fighter, but I gain nothing from this. You just shot yourself in the foot. You shot yourself in the foot. If there's anybody this weekend who has it all on the line, it is Benny Dariush. His career, not his career essentially, but all this guy has wanted was to fight for the belt. And if he loses tomorrow, it ain't ever happening. If Saruki loses to Dariush, he's not out of the title picture. He's going to have some work to do for sure. But he's only, what, 26, 27? He's got plenty of time. He ain't done. But Darius, if he ever won. Dude won eight in a row and couldn't get a title shot. If he loses again, he's, he's done. He's done. I just don't understand why he says some of the things he says. It's nuts, dude. It's nuts. And I like Benny, too. He's a sharp guy, but like strategically, you got to be better than that on the microphone. That's having that mic in your face. People underestimate the power of that, but that's all people remember from that media scrum is that he said he gains nothing from this fight. It's nuts. Ryan, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Heck, good morning. It seems like if Islam wants to fight before Ramadan, it seems like a no-brainer that they should put him on that Saudi Arabia card. I imagine the like the site fee that they're getting to even go there is probably more than they get for most events, including pay-per-views. But do you think if they the UFC tries to overly stack that card, it might cause like kind of a rift with Abu Dhabi, like a, a competition between Abu Dhabi and Saudi Arabia and who the UFC favors? 
Interesting. Probably not. Uh, you would have to think that, to your point, if he is going to fight before... Let me just look at this real quick. It's Yeah, it's March 10th to April 9th. Yeah, so if he's got to fight before Ramadan, it's got to be on that Saudi Arabia card, right? Like, it's on a pay-per-view. It's a fight night, but still, like you said, the site fees and all that, like, it's it's almost like it's okay. But at the same token, like, DC was saying, like, Islam wants to fight three times. Um, and I think if he fights in March in Saudi Arabia, he could still turn around and fight in October. So as long as as long as he is able to compete in October, I don't think there will be any problem. I really don't. I don't think there'll be any issue. But I, it's an interesting question. Do you throw the champion of your best division on a free fight night card? I mean, that'd be pretty damn cool. I don't think anybody would complain about that as a fan. Or, I mean, because you can't turn it into a pay-per-view. You can't. You can't do it. Because then what? The Miami card is going to be UFC 300 now. Like, you can't, if it is in Miami, the, the Sean O'Malley card is that what you want? No offense to O'Malley and Cheeto, but I think most people, when you look at UFC 300 and you kind of fantasy match make it, Sean O'Malley, Cheeto Vera, as popular as those guys are, and as awesome as those guys are as competitors, and as big as that fight is, it just doesn't scream UFC 300 to me. Even, and I think Sean would probably be the first one to tell you that. So, yeah, maybe that does happen. I would expect Hamza Shemaev to be on that card. Um, which reminds me, I mean, maybe they do like Shemaev versus, I don't know who they put him against. My thought was Paulo Costa. Um, someone had asked yesterday because Whitaker was sort of tweeting and Instagramming things and tagged Paulo Costa. And I didn't really think much of it. Uh, and then I saw a Instagram post from one of Whitaker's coaches with the fight poster, Whitaker and Costa for UFC 299, which would be on that March Miami card. And again, I didn't really think much of it, but I did reach out to a couple of people. Um, there is smoke to this. There is smoke to this. This is Now, I don't want anybody saying like, Mike Heck is reporting that this fight... No, it's not done. Um, there is interest in it possibly happening. That's where it's at. From what I'm told, uh, Costa... Uh, from what I was told, Costa sort of called out Whitaker and both sides were approached with like, oh, would you be interested in this, potentially? And they were like, yes. And that's as far as it's gone. So there's been no official offer, no date, no contracts, none of that. Um, but there seems to be interest in putting that fight together. Um, again, not done, not even close to being done. But has the UFC reached out to both sides and asked what interest levels are for that fight? Yes, have both sides said that they are interested in Partaking in said fight, yes. Does that mean it's going to happen? It's no. It's it's up in the air right now. It's up in the air. But there is to that question yesterday. There is interest 
and possibly putting that fight together. So if that's the case, who does Hamza Shemaya fight? That's going to be an, that's going to be interesting. Cannonier is the torn MCL, so I don't think he's going to be ready to go. I don't think Izzy's fighting. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you do. Do you have like the loser of Strickland DDP fight Shemaev? I don't. I mean, that just seems like a really quick turnaround. Maybe you run it back with Usman. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But the way it's looking, maybe they do do the Islam Makachev, Charles Oliveira fight in Saudi Arabia. I don't know. It's got to be interesting to see. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Uh, J-Mac, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Uh, how are you doing today? Good, how are you, man? Doing good, doing good. I'm looking forward to this card this weekend. Um, so I wanted to talk to you about what Dana had said about having a super fight, and I keep racking my brain trying to figure out what he could be possibly insinuating as a super fight. Like, the only thing I can think of is Francis versus John Jones, which I know is not going to happen, but at least not now. But, I mean, do, do you have any uh, – do you have any ideas or guesses? I, I want to hear what like you think it could be, and I'll let you answer that. Thanks, Mike. Oh, I have no idea, man. I have no clue. 
I don't know what they do. I wonder if like, oh God, I can't believe I'm going to go down this rabbit hole. Um, I wonder if they're maybe pivoting from John Jones Stipe and maybe want to beat PFL to the punch and do like some sort of weird MMA versus boxing thing. Maybe they do Jones versus Wilder or Jones versus Fury or something of that nature. I don't know. I think I think that came to be when they were talking about Zuckerberg Musk. Because it's like a really interesting question now. Like I think New York Rick brought this up on the MA hour. Like, what is a super fight now? I don't know. Like to me, like what like what a super fight is now is like the champion of your division actually fighting the number one guy. Like the guy you're supposed to fight. Like that's the new super fight. Because now everybody just wants to win belts and move up and try to win a second one. So is the new super fight just like Volk fighting Taporia? Like, is that the super fight now? More so than Volk going up and fighting Makachev? Like, super fight is so watered down now. I don't know. I don't. I have no idea what it could be. You have to think it's going to involve... Either it's going to be like two random celebrities... Which I please, I God, I hope that doesn't happen. Or you have to think it's it's got to be it's got to include John Jones or Connor, right? I just don't know what else. Maybe Pereira versus John Jones. I mean, that'd be friggin' wild. Maybe Jones is like, yeah, I'll fight Pereira if Stepe doesn't want to go. I have no idea. I have no idea what it could be. I, I, I don't know. Unless it's... God, unless they do like... Unless they do like a GSP comeback fight or something. What if they did like Habib GSP? Although I don't think Habib's ever going to... I don't know. I, that's a great question. I'd love to get your thoughts, you guys' thoughts on this. To me, it has to probably has to involve John Jones or Connor, or they're just going to take like two legends and have them do it. I don't know. I have no frigging because I don't know what the fuck a super fight is anymore. I don't know. No idea, but I'm I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see. Uh, Barbarusa, go ahead. Um, hi, Mike. Um, I just want to uh, talk about the Omar Santagen. Uh, maybe you have already talked about it. I wasn't here last time. But I know it's uh, very unfair for Santagen, and he he should already be fighting for the title for his next fight, for the, the people he beat and, and uh, everything else. But with... Uh, Sehudo versus Merab being targeted and uh, uh, right now the title fight between uh, uh, Vera and uh, Omali I think best case scenario if he doesn't fight anyone uh, he's going to fight maybe in a year for the title and if you saw the ranked guys I think Omar is the hardest stylist uh, matchup for him but maybe if you beat an undefeated Norma Gomedov, you're, 
you are satisfying yourself as the number one contender. Uh, this is my first question. And the second about the Islam in uh, Saudi Arabia. Do you think Charles is going to fight and uh, is going to be okay with that? Because he uh, said multiple times that it's uh, enemy territory in uh, Dubai, uh, Abu Dhabi, and he was uh, I he wasn't thrilled to fight there and Saudis. Um, the same thing uh, for Islam. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, Sanhagen's in a weird spot. I think they probably will end up doing that Umar fight, but I'm not really sure. Um, just don't know who else he would fight at this point. That like makes a lot of sense. If they do Marab Sahudo, like it's kind of stuck. Um. Excuse me. I'll tell you what, if I'm Oliveira, you better take that fight if they offer it to you because if you say no, they ain't going to wait. They're just going to throw Justin Gaethje in there. So, yeah, I don't think he really has much of a choice. If he wants to fight for the belt, the fact that they're... The fact that Dana White has publicly said multiple times that it's got to be Oliveira... Like, he... Because you could make a case for Gaethje here. Like, Gaethje versus Islam is super interesting. Gaethje is a super exciting guy, much like Oliveira. And, but I think if you ask more people, like if you pulled 100 MMA fans and you were like, hey, if you had the choice and the UFC based it on this poll, would you rather see Islam Gaethje or Islam Charles three match? I think more people would say Islam Gaethje because it's fresh and it's new and – Gaethje will get his last chance to fight for the undisputed title. Like, I think more people would go with Gaethje. So if you're Oliveira, I kind of feel like... I kind of feel like you have to do it. I don't think you could be like, nah. I'm not going to do it because it's in Saudi Arabia. I want to do it in Brazil. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. So if he wants to fight for the belt, he's going to be have to be okay with it. Or they'll just ask Gaethje to do it, and Gaethje will get his shot, and Oliveira's going to have to fight like Armin Sarukian if he beats Benil Dariush. Like, he kind of has to take it. So, yeah, I think that's probably what could happen. I don't think he could say no to it. I really don't. I mean, he could, but then he's just not going to fight for the belt. Uh, UFC alien, go ahead. Uh, if you can, what's good? I just wanted to touch on this I can hear fight. Uh, so when Dana said something popped up like three days ago, coincidentally, Aljo posted the the Max Holloway thing. So what do you think about that? Do you think that's going to be the super fight? No. I mean, I could see that fight happening. I don't think that like that's not the super fight though. Like, would you consider Aljamain Sterling Max Holloway a super fight? No, I wouldn't. Like Dustin Poirier, Nate Diaz, at this point in their careers, would be more considered a super fight than Holloway versus Aljo. To me, like, and I've been saying since 
on to the next one after you have after Aljo lost the belt. The one, the only fight that Aljo should be targeting is Max Holloway. Now, a lot of us will look at this fight, and I've heard from a lot of people about this since August when I put this information out there that I thought this like if you're Aljo and you're moving up to 145. Like, cool, you can go fight Calvin Cater, and that's a cool-ass fight, and I would watch the hell out of that. Like, that is fun, fun, fun. But what does that do for Aljo? At this point in his career, after losing the belt at at 135, if you're going to move up to 145, do you really want to make your road to possibly winning that second divisional title as long as possible? Because if he beats Calvin Cater... That he still has to win like two more when you could just go for the guy right away. And if you beat Max Holloway, even no matter how people feel about it stylistically, for Aljo, that's the that fight makes more sense than anything else right now. It would probably be a second choice because if he had his druthers and they were like, hey, Aljo, I'll give you whatever you want, he's obviously gonna take the O'Malley rematch. But the UFC's never going to make that fight again. Unless Aljo wins the featherweight title and Sean O'Malley's like, yeah, I'm going to go try to win a second belt. It's the only chance Aljo has to, to get that one back. So do I think Aljo is smart for making this call? Absolutely. Is it a really tough fight for him? Absolutely. I think Calvin Cater's a tough fight for him. But I feel like the risk is the same. So you might as well just go for the top guy, and if you win, if he goes out there and somehow beats Max Holloway, he's probably getting Volk. He's probably getting a title shot. Volk or Taporia or however that all plays out. But no, that's not a, that, no, that's not a super fight. Holloway's a star. He's like a tier two star. Alger's not really a star. Alger's a known commodity, but he's not a star. Like, Poirier Diaz would be, like, super fight-ish. Connor Nate is super fight-ish, even though we've seen it twice. GSP coming back and fighting somebody, that would be considered a super fight. Like, to me, super fight is like when BJ Penn went up and fought George St. Pierre, champion versus champion. Like, that was, like, that's a super fight. Even just like the rando ones, like Matt Hughes, Hoist Gracie. That, that, like, that was, that was like a super fight. Cause it's just like, holy shit. That like the the OG against Matt Hughes, who was the best welterweight in the world at the time. Like, I I just don't know what a super fight. Is. Like John Jones Francis would be a super fight right now, just because it's it seems impossible to make. But I don't think Holloway. I don't think Holloway Aljo is is a super fight. It's an intriguing fight. I think most people would favor Max Holloway to win that one. But again, if you're Aljo, this is like the fight to go after in my humble opinion. And because like I said, the risk is the same, whether he fights Calvin Cater or Brian Ortega or Nate Landwehr, it's all the same risk. He loses. He's probably never getting a featherweight title shot. So make the road as short as possible. And there you go. But yeah, again, I have no idea what this super fight's going to be. It's probably, if it's not involving Jones or Connor doing some sort of weird crossover, it's probably going to be like a legendary fighter coming back or throwing a couple of legends together 
Like maybe they, I, I know someone was like putting out there, hey, would, they should do GSP versus Nick Diaz. And I don't really want to see that, but you know, that those are, I don't even know if that's a super fight. Like, I, I just don't know what it defines a super fight anymore. You know what I mean? But it's certainly not Max versus Aljo. Uh, Trevor, go ahead. Um, Can you hear me now, Mike? Oh, wait a minute. I think we got you. Yep, I got you, man. How are you? Got you. Sorry about that. Uh, long-time listener, oh, good. first-time question asker um, down here in southeast Kentucky. It's it's a little bit gloomy outside, but uh, I want to ask about this. Um, when it comes to pet peeves with fighters, first, my biggest pet peeve is when fighters call out boxers, UFC fighters calling out boxers. Which one gets on your nerves the most, UFC fighters calling out boxers or champs continuing to look at the, the champ-champ kind of spectrum? always calling out somebody a weight class class ahead of them, something like that. So which one of those two gets on your nerves the most? My second question and the free-for-all Friday question, I, I imagine you and I are similar in this case, but when you enter a room, you're obviously the most macho man in the room. I'm the same way, <laughs> except when it comes to getting on an airplane. I cannot stand flying. I'm terrified. I have panic attacks every time. What do you do? when you travel to get over flight anxiety or kind of your biggest fear in life. But thanks, Mike. Happy Friday. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Thanks, man. Um, <laughs> uh, first of all, I never feel like I'm the most macho man in any room. Um, that's so funny. Flying. Like I've done it so often now that it's just like the, the only thing that like, the only thing about flying that concerns me is like, I just want the plane to get up in the air and I want it to land safely. Like that's it. Once we're in the air, like I don't give a shit. I'm good. I'll listen to my music or watch a movie or something and I'm fine. I might fall asleep. Usually it's like on the flight back from New York that I like, I take a little nap. Um, the, the whole anxiety about like traveling to me is just like kind of the guilt I feel when like I leave my family for a day, like even for a day. It's just like, man, like, I hope my wife's all right. Like, you know, with the dog and the child and she's doing everything by herself. Like that probably weighs on me the most. There's not a lot of things like I truly fear. Like, honestly, like my biggest fear, like the thing that scares the shit out of me the most is, are snakes. Like, I think snakes are the creepiest fucking things in the world. And they're so unpredictable and you just never know. And they just like, even like little garden snakes, I'm just like, oh, things are fucking gross. Uh, but nothing else like really gets me in that sense, if that makes sense. But yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool on the play, man. I mean, if I were you, like, I'm not like a big drinker or anything, but you know, have a couple beers, chill out, cool out, cool off a little bit. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what it like having like a fear of heights and fear of planes. Like that's something that, there's a lot of people like Jim Cornette former wrestling manager he's got a big podcast now like he's always talked about his fear of flying he'd rather drive everywhere but sometimes it's just got to do and traveling sucks in general so i get where you're coming from as far as the pet peeve it is by far the i want to move up and fight the next guy i, I want to move up a division and fight for a title like because look as a fighter in mma and as an athlete in general and as like anything you do 
in the in life, right? You want to make the most money you possibly can. And I think MMA fighters see the amount of money that boxers are making. They saw the amount of money Francis made to fight Tyson Fury. They probably heard roundabout numbers of what Nate Diaz made to box Jake Paul, which is probably the two biggest paydays of the biggest payday of each of their careers. And, you know, I'm not going to go into this whole diatribe about fighter pay and all that stuff, but the top tier boxers make far more money than the top tier MMA fighters. It's just the way that it is. Connor might be the exception to the rule because he's the biggest star in the history of the sport. But for the most part, they're getting like a much bigger piece of the pie than the MMA fighters are. It's just the business. So why not try to get, take a poke at that? Now, rando ranked 47 fighter calling out Ryan Garcia makes no sense. But look, Sean O'Malley, where he's at right now, it is not out of the realm of possibility. Like, if he goes out there and beats Cheeto, if he goes out there and, like, head kicks Cheeto and knocks him out, like, you don't think the UFC would would play a role in trying to get Sean a boxing fight? I think they would. I think they would. So, I get why people get annoyed by it, and I shake my head at times when I see, like, the seventh-ranked fighter calling for a boxer who's, like, three and two in his last five. Like, that annoys me. But I also understand why they would take a shot and try to get that one bit payday that could set them up for the rest of their lives. So I get that. But the whole notion that, like, in my eyes, like, a super fight is that, you know, if Drikas Duplessis fought Israel Adesanya or Hamzat Shemaev is more of a super fight than Drikas Duplessis fighting Alex Pereira, like, that's just... That's just the world we live in now, and it's a world that drives me fucking crazy. So, yeah, it's definitely the whole, hey, once I win this title, I'm going up to, to the next weight class, and I want to fight for that belt. Like, no. No, no. Win five, defend the title four or five times, and then we can start talking about it. Then we can start talking about it. Now, going into the DDP thing, the headline is a little deceiving it's more like the more he explains it, it kind of makes a little bit more sense. Like I still don't necessarily agree with it, especially at 185. But the way he looks at it is like, look, I still want to fight Izzy. So let's just say I beat Strickland, I beat Izzy, and I beat Hamzad. Like what else is there for me to do at 185? Because I already beat Robert Whitaker. So I kind of get where he's coming from. But at the same token, by the time that happens, guess who's going to be coming? Bo Nickel is going to be coming. Ikram Alaskarov is going to be coming. There's going to be other guys on the come-up. Brennan Allen's going to be coming. So it's not like there's going to be a shortage of guys he can fight. So, but yeah, the, the whole thing of, like even O'Malley was like, yeah, maybe, but I'm not thinking about that right now. Like that's, that's it. Yeah, but by far it's the whole, hey, I've, I've cleaned up my division by beating three guys. I'm moving up. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. That annoys the shit out of me. Cole, go ahead. Good morning, Mike. More on that super fight. Do you think that, I mean, from my perspective, when Dana said that, and I just thought, like, who, who it could be, GSP is, like, I think it's 75% it could be GSP. I feel like they, the way they gave him, like, a grappling match, I don't even know when that is. Um, 
but like I could totally see that being like, look, like we'll get you a grappling match. We'll we'll loosen you up a bit. That I don't know. It all seems like it's coming together for GSP to fight in like the second quarter next year, maybe. But um, another thing I want to talk about is you said uh, on Twitter about you were talking about like the in-season tournaments in basketball and how they should implement that into UFC to make like these mid-card fights in the middle of the summer and shit like that just mean a little bit more. I think that's genius. And I think the UFC will definitely do that. Like the NBA is trying to make the games in the middle of their season mean something. I feel like that's just a trend in pro sports, but what do you have on that? Uh, Thanks, Dan. So the super fight thing just kind of came to me um, a second ago. So I'll get into that in a second. Uh, Shout out to Kaposa. Maybe the most important figure in MMA Twitter. Uh, the guy is probably watching 18 random events you've never heard of right now. So shout out to him uh, for putting this idea out there. And I was like, this is fucking brilliant. Um, just doing an in-season tournament. Now, here's the thing. It doesn't have to be like your biggest names. Like, just think about it this way. You take a division. You can even do this with multiple divisions. Just think about... I'm gonna. I'm just pull up random division. Let's think about the UFC men's featherweight division. Let me pull up the rankings for 145 for the UFC. All right, so kind of looking at the bottom end of the top 15s: Bryce Mitchell, Edson Barboza, Sadiq Yusuf, Danny Gaylaron, Murphy, Alex Caceres. Okay. What if you did like a little tournament? Uh, let's go with Billy Corintillo, Joe Anderson Brito, Nate Landwehr, Bill Algio, Charles Jordan, Jack Shore. Like you just throw in like you, you throw in four, six, eight of these guys that are like just outside of the top fifteen. That people are like, all right, like these guys could get there, but instead of just like having to like look at like Nathaniel Wood goes from Charles Jordan to Andre Feely to Muhammad Naimov. Like that's not like that just seems like he went so, and Naimov's good, but it's a guy like nobody really has heard of. You know what I mean? Like even Naimov could be in that term, but like that's what I'm talking about. Guys who are on the cusp of big things. Like, can you imagine if they did a welterweight or a lightweight tournament and they put Orlboff in there? Like, that's super fun. And that's how you create new stars is things like of that nature. It's putting them in these positions. And once they get there, you're like, the winner gets an automatic top 10 opponent next. You know what I mean? Like, let's just have some fun. I love that idea. I think it's a tremendous idea. I love it. Absolutely love it. Super fight. I wonder if it's Ronda Rousey. I wonder if it's Ronda. Ronda's, it, it could be her. I'm telling you, man, And we, we, Jed and I talked about this right after Nunez retired. Would you pick, like if, if they did Ronda Rousey versus Raquel Pennington right now, like let's just say like Raquel Pennington beats whoever, 
let's say Raquel Bennington, you know, beats Myra Buena Silva or whatever. Or if they just did, like if they just did Ronda Rousey versus Juliana Pena at UFC 300, you think people would be like, "Oh, that's shitty." No, people would be like, "Holy shit, Ronda Rousey's coming back." Would you be confident? Would you say like, would you be like, "Oh, Juliana Pena should be a minus 300 against Ronda Rousey?" Would you confidently pick Juliana Pena against Ronda Rousey? If you gave her like a full training camp to get back into it, and who knows what she's doing right now? She's no longer in the I know she probably still has a really good relationship with WWE. She jumped in. She's not signed with AEW. She did a one-off Ring of Honor. She's just kind of doing like independent shows and stuff right now. Just for the fun of it. That would be a pretty fucking huge thing if they brought her back. And she doesn't have to fight Amanda Nunes. Maybe they do her. I, I, I think that's... I don't know if it happens, but like if we're talking super fight, what Dana considers the super fight, like Ronda would probably be right at the top of the list, would it not? I don't know. But again, I, do, I don't know what Dana thinks is a super fight and what other people think are super fights, but I think Rosie would probably uh, fit that mold. Uh, I was yeah, go up, ahead. man? How are you doing? So, uh, Good, how are you? I have uh, three questions. Real quick, I'm curious. What are your thoughts on going for what Jared Kenya should do um, in terms of his aspirations for a second chance of title, and who who do you think he needs to fight to earn that shot? Um, obviously, depending on Drikas versus Sean, and if Adesanya Hamza skips the line. My second question is with the super fight. Um, you know, you brought up Ronda. I think that's a really possible interesting scenario because she's been in the headlines although we know she she has apparently according to dana's word of mouth said that she's not interested in the fight any um uc fight anymore uh you know looking at past history things can change the only other super fights to me that makes sense is um i would say charles versus islam too but that's not going to happen because you know Islam will not fight in Ramadan. He's already confirmed that. Um, the only other thing I could see happening is, you know, I hate to say, but maybe a double champ fight, maybe Jamal Hill versus Alex Bahera, because that's a, but that's obviously more of a fan favorite fight. Uh, I, you know, it's it's really interesting. I mean, the only way I could see UFC three hundred being a really big event and deal is if they got a Khabib versus George St. Pierre, because that is a fight not only the fans would want to see, but that is literally a fight the whole world will watch. It's literally a world event. It's the way like people watch you know, the Cav the Cavs versus Warriors in 2016 or like, you know, like a Champions League final, something that kind of caliber. Um, my last question is um, if Vicente Luque wins against Ian Gary next month, um, who do you think he should fight next? That's all I have. Have a great day. Um. Yeah. So I mean, look, the Rousey thing could happen. Like I would, it would not shock me. It'd be huge. It would get a shitload of buzz. Would it be all that thrilling when they actually fight? I'm not really sure. But would GSP's fight be all that thrilling either? We don't really know. But you'd have to think like. It's got to be somebody like that. I don't think Habib's ever fighting again. I don't think. 
I don't think there's any amount of money or any sort of idea of anything that would get hubby back. I really don't. I think he's a man of principle. I mean, he's basically like just kind of left the sport altogether. Uh, he's not cornering fighters. He's, I'm, he's still involved in his team, but he's not, it's not like he's in the gym and he's he, like, he's probably in the gym, but he's not like he's cornering guys, not traveling with the fighters to these big fights. So yeah, I don't know. GSP Habib would obviously be big. I just don't think it, I don't think it happens. I just don't think Habib comes back. And then again, like, just think of the name, just think of the fights you just threw out there. None of those are super fights. Like, Jamal Hill, Alex Perez, not a super fight. Like, it's a fight we expect to happen. It's a cool fight, but it's not a super fight. I don't know if, like, anybody on the... I don't know if there's any two guys on the current UFC roster right now that you could put together and you can consider it a super fight. Can you, I can't think of one. I can't think of a single one. I'm trying to think. I can't think of one. This is honestly not one. Now, as far as things that could actually be done, it's John versus Francis, but I, I would be, I mean, that would be the most shocking thing in the last five years. If the UFC is just like, you know what, we'll work with PFL, we'll do this. It doesn't seem like Dana has any interest in that whatsoever. And as I've said a million times, it sucks for the fans, but at the same token, I don't blame him. He don't need Francis. He don't need the PFL. John Jones versus Stipe, even though most of us don't give a fuck about it, it's still going to do like close to a million pay-per-view buys. It just is. They don't need anything. They don't need to make any fights. They'll make cool fights, but they don't like – you think the UFC is losing any sleep over not making John Jones over France and Ghana right now? No. they're Whatever tears are flowing, they're drying with $100 bills. They're fine. They don't need that fight to happen. PFL needs that way more than the UFC does. And Dana knows that. That's why he's in the position he's in. That's why he's not trying to convince the masses that, no, 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 we're not one and two. We're the co-leaders, which Don Davis is going to have to hear that for the rest of his life, that the PFL is the co-leaders. UFC has not lost a wink of sleep over the PFL. So, yeah, I'm... The more we talk about it, the more I am intrigued by this super fight idea. Ooh, interesting. Guys, Calvin Gastelum just stepped on the scale. 170 on the dot for his fight with Sean Brady. He has done it. Successful return to 170 on the scale. Looked pretty good. He's looked pretty good all camp. So as we are speaking right now, we are awaiting just a few fighters. We're awaiting Jared Gooden, Wellington Terminator weight at 171. We are awaiting Misha Tate. Julie Avila already made weight, 135 and a half. 
And we are awaiting Jalen Turner. Bobby Green made weight at 155. That's it. Everybody else has made weight. We lost a fight. So we'll see. The one I'm obviously I'm the most concerned about is Jalen Turner. So we'll if we're still live, we'll keep you posted. I don't think we will be live. Maybe he'll wait to the end. I'm not really sure, but uh who the who knows? Who knows at this point? I think we know what we're gonna headline this uh this this episode. I think it's gonna have to be the super fight question. For sure. This is super I'm I'm more I'm so intrigued. I didn't think I would be this intrigued by it. Uh, mostly not even for the fighters, just to kind of see what the definition of for the UFC of what is actually a super fight in 2023, 2024 and moving forward. So uh very, very intrigued. It could just be like it could just be like two random guys. Like it could just be like Kid Rock fighting somebody or something stupid. I don't know. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, J Mac. Go ahead, sir. <laughs> so, hey, Mike, I, I thought about I thought about it, and there's five fights I came up with. One of them is um, Ronda Rousey versus Gina Carano. Um, that would be fun. Uh, another one was GSP versus Anderson Silva for UFC 300. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, because they were always teasing that fight, and they're both old now, and they both haven't fought in forever. So why not? Um, Another one was Brock Lesnar coming back at UFC 300. But I don't know who he'd fight. I kept on thinking, like, John Jones is the only one that makes sense. They ain't doing that shit. <laughs> <That'd be laughs> awesome, There's no though. way. There's no way. <laughs> Go ahead, though. Okay, okay. Well, anyway, that was another one I was thinking of. Um, and then there was um, – oh, God, who was it? It's uh, – it's, it's, uh, oh, man. There was another one. Sorry. It was less less thrilling. Oh, it was Izzy versus um, versus uh, Hamza Chmaev. They might think that's the super fight. I don't know what do you think? Is that the that was the last one? Yeah, there was another one. Oh, yeah, another one that's less thrilling is uh, Poirier versus uh, Nick Nick Diaz. Versus Nick or Nate? Oh, sorry. Versus Nate. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say Nick would be All pretty right. cool too, though. But I think Nick's kind of washed. Yeah, that yeah, would be really interesting, man. But anyway, I don't know. Yeah, those are some, those are some things I thought of uh, after I got off the line with you. Thanks, man. All right, man. I'll, I'll see you. Thanks, brother. Yeah, Izzy Hamzad, I wouldn't consider a super fight because we could get that fight tomorrow if we really wanted it. I mean, they're both in the same division. They're both active, rostered fighters. Um, so to me, that's not a super fight. To me, that's kind of the fight we thought we might actually get coming out of. UFC 293 before Sean Strickland kind of shut the door on all of that. The other ones are Brock, oh, dude, Brock coming back. I just don't see it. I don't think the UFC is going to take that risk again. Like, 
it was obviously very cool, but like the aftermath of it all, and yes, Mark Hunt lost all of his lawsuits, but like I don't think the UFC wants to like put themselves in that position again. Like Brock ain't a young man. And I don't think we don't know how this new drug drug t- drug testing's gonna gonna work. I just don't think they want to take that risk. As cool as it'd be. But like I mean, we're so close. Like, do you, we could have got Brock versus DC. We didn't get it. Remember all that? They had the little, like, shoving thing after DC won the belt, and that fight never happened, probably for a lot of the same reasons. Rousey Carano. Interesting. I think just Rousey against anybody. GSP Anderson would be pretty friggin' cool. I like that idea. Look, they're old. Look, they're older guys. But it's like when we talk about fights we never got, or like the one that got away, GSP Anderson Silva is like on the top of a lot of people's lists. Maybe we could get it now. It ain't going to be the same as it would have been when they were in their primes, but Anderson can still fight, man. Anderson can still go. Interesting. Interesting. I love this. I love this conversation. This is the best. Uh, Dylan, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Uh, I just had a thought. I was like, do you think now that the PFL has acquired Bellator, do you think they'll still do like cross promotional events with like Ryzen? Or do you think since they're like the co leader now, they probably are too big for Ryzen? But, um, and also just another quick, just quick question. Uh, do you guys ever think about getting GC on between the links? I think that'd be a fun episode, but uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, man. Uh, GC has been on before. It's been a while. It was kind of like early in his career. It was early. It was like the first year the MMA Hour came back. I know he was definitely on. Um, I'd love to have him back on. Like now, now that he's more entrenched into what's going on, I'll have to ask him. He's a he's a busy dude, so I will try to make that happen. There's a couple people uh, people have asked about who have been on once, uh, GC uh, and Luke Thomas. Uh, I will I will make it a point to get Luke on again sooner rather than later. But I will definitely try to get GC on. That'd be fun. That would definitely be fun. All right. Um, I think we're done. Let me look at the comments real quick, see if we have anything. Abzali said Hamza versus Adesanya. That's not a super fight. Um, Oh, the PFL question. Uh, will Bellator still do the Ryzen thing? Probably not. I mean, maybe they do it. But probably not. Would be my guess. I mean, especially if you're going to do... Like, the, the way we ironed it out on BTL yesterday with how the PFL should be handling all this is, like, the smart thing to do. Just, like, let's do... Like Bellator PFL should not just be one event. It should be like a year-long thing. You have 210 fighters. Just do 
Like you should be doing PFL versus Bellator, like every fucking card. Like at least one or two fights, and we just keep a running tally of the record all year long. Like that's that's money. I love that idea. Love that idea. I, I it's gonna be really interesting to see what the PFL does. But yeah, they go they gonna get dunked on. They're, Don Davis is going to get dunked on for all of eternity. Um, pretty much of the co-leader stuff. What did Shane say? If Darius loses this weekend, he should go to PFL and become a millionaire. Thoughts? Um, does he want to go through a tournament at this age? I don't know. But not a bad guy to have around for the for one-offs. Yeah, he's a, if he loses, he's in a super interesting spot. All right, we'll take one more. We'll get Mo in here. Mo, are you there? Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just wanted to ask, what do you guys think is going to be the best, uh, the next best fight for Pereira? For Pereira? Yeah. For a time. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, next fight for Pereira. Huh. Good question. It's a good question. I mean, do we consider Pereira Izzy three a super fight with Izzy moving up? Do we consider that one? I don't know. We've seen it twice, but now the circumstances are different. Maybe that's what he's talking about. Which, by the way, I love that call out from, from Pereira. It made all the sense in the world. Obviously, the fight I want to see is Jamal Hill, but that ain't happening anytime soon. And there is no way you can let Pereira sit on the sidelines for that long. You can't. You can't do it. So here are my two options. One, Pereira is he at UFC 300. You do that fight for the light heavyweight title. It's a moneymaker. There's a story. There's, there's a lot to that. So maybe it's that. If not, and a lot of you are going to hate this, and I've said this before, if Anthony Smith beats Khalil Roundtree next Saturday, I can 1,000% see a world where Anthony Smith cuts a promo and says he wants to fight Alex Pereira. And just for the sense of keeping Pereira busy and out into the spotlight, and at least putting him in a in a rivalry fight, I could see a world where they put that fight together. I don't love it. I don't think it goes very well for Anthony Smith, but who knows? Anthony seems very confident in that. Thinks he matches up great with him. He's been saying this from day one. If he goes out there and beats Khalil Roundtree, that's two wins in a row. At least he's got a winning streak to put himself in that position. Now, was that part of the conversation when he when Anthony Smith was approached with this fight? Hey, man, you go and save us. 
keep this fight on the books. You beat Khalil Roundtree, we'll give you Pereira. Like it, it ain't a meritocratic choice, but it's literally like it's like the only one. That's like I don't know. I mean, just look at look at what's happening right now. Because you just I don't know. I mean, could you do Plahovich and Rakic winner? Sure. I guess, but I don't know how compelling either of those options are. Will they be able to turn around relatively quickly after their fight? I don't know. Ankoliath and Walker are fighting. Maybe if Johnny Walker just obliterates Ankoliath, maybe they go there. I don't know if uh, Ankoliath gets it. Yeah, I don't know. We shall see. I kind of feel like I kind of feel like if if Anthony Smith wins, he's he's got a really good chance to get it. It just kind of depends on the plans for Pereira and when that when they would want him to fight. He's got to fight at UFC 300 at this point, right? I mean, that's not going to main event UFC 300, but you have to get him in there before. You have to get him in there by April, do you not? Like you. He's got so much momentum right now. You can't bench him until Jamal Hill's ready to come back. You've got to get him out there. He is a chance. Like, he's becoming a star. He's becoming a star. you got to – you can't bench him. you got to keep him going. He's like a win or two away. I think the UFC is really going to try to get this Izzy fight going, though. I do. But I don't know. DDP, if he wins the belt – I mean, what poetic, how poetic would it be to their story if that fight gets put together, but DDP is the champion and Izzy's going after him? Golly. Yeah, Pereira's interesting because there's there's a clear choice. It's Jamal Hill, but I mean, if we, we may not see Jamal Hill till like September of next year. Like his injury takes a, it, it's a it's a shitty injury. Like it's annoying, it's a nuisance, it takes time. Maybe it's July, maybe it comes back in July. I think that's probably like the best case scenario, but you cannot bench Pereira for eight months. You can't. Can't do it. All right. Um, yeah, I think we're gonna wrap up here. Let me just take a gander here at the old weigh-ins, see if we have anything new. Anything new? Uh, Jared Gooden made weight, 171. Good for him. So we got... You know what? Should we we just keep going? Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Mo, do you have another question? If you guys got more questions, let's go. Let's just keep going. Let's go until all these fighters have hit the scales. Who gives a shit? Preview show's not till 1 o'clock. We're we're fine. We're fine. Hop in. Hop in. Let's go. Let's go. Raise your hand. Let's party. Go ahead, Cole. All right. We got to go in on this Rhonda speculation. What we got to like check the Instagram. Has she been quiet? Because that like when you said that, I've always been on the train that Rhonda will come back, and I would. I don't know. I don't know if I'd favor her against Raquel, maybe, if I, like, saw some footage of her. 
in the training room, I might, but like, I don't know. You really think that Ronda is more like, I guess thinking about who GSP could fight, it's like, it wouldn't, they wouldn't bring back Silva probably. So what, what more do you have about that Ronda that like backs that up? Do you think? I mean, I don't have like any insight to it, but Ronda's just like she's doing like independent pro wrestling now, like just for funsies. Like she's not WWE anymore. I get. I mean, I don't think so. I mean, look, Ronda, whether you like her or not. The way she sort of left the sport was not good. Uh, Left a bad taste in people's mouths. It really did. Um, The whole build to the Nunez fight, just getting trucked, um, things that happened after the fact. Like It was just an unceremonious exit. And when you think about what Ronda has done and the impact that she made on the sport, her legacy should be more about what she did in her career more so than what she looked like on the way out. Cause it's almost like she just turned her back on the sport in a lot of respects. It was very negative. Like it was very negative. Um, so I kind of feel like, you know, even if she goes in there and just like does the thing and does the whole media stuff and like goes through it all, and competes, and even if she loses, she just gets the microphone and like says goodbye and like does it her way, like just does it the right way. Like I think that's a that helps her overall MMA legacy. So even if she fought like, like look, even if what if they just did her and Misha Tate? What if they just got her back and did one more with Misha? Like that's something you could do that, but at least like she could go out like in the right way. And I think that would be so meaningful to her overall legacy as a, as a mixed martial artist. Has she gone to WWE and made Buko bucks and had like a different career? Sure. She has. But I think when most people look at Ronda Rousey and her overall legacy in combat sports and sports entertainment, it's going to be more of the MMA fighter than the pro wrestler. And even then, she didn't have a tremendous run as a pro wrestler either. So I don't know. It makes sense. Like, it, it makes sense. It doesn't have to be a title fight. But just give her, give her a good fight. You know, give her somebody. Win or lose, she goes out in a good way. I think that would be pretty damn cool. TV, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Uh, glad to have the party rolling. Um, just a free-for-all Friday question. Um, I think I asked this before, but I'm going to ask it again. Um, like, what, what, what is the ideal, um, uh, I would say, like a card, like ideal length? Because uh, this got me thinking, uh, 295, like the main card, it was like, it was all finishes, right? So um, I, I, I would like, like the first three fights of the main card to be like, either a quick finish co-main event like i don't mind a quick finish as well but i think like 
ideally like the main event like i would like like at least three rounds or maybe even a decision like an all-out or um you know just a little fun question i mean look 295 was fun as hell even though it was all finishes it was fun as hell um there's nothing wrong with that like i'd rather like give me ufc 295's main card over pfl's main card any day of the week any day of the week like i'll take that pfl's card was brutal it just like i honestly i felt like i was watching that card for 3 days and it's very rare like some of these apex cards feel that way like to me when i think of like the appropriate length for a ufc card it's more about the fights like 15 fights is way too many it's way too many 14 fights is too many too many 11 12 is the sweet spot like that's where we need 10 would 10 is probably perfect but that might be too few so give me like 11 or 12 11 or 12 we do like a couple of hours of prelims we do the main card we get in we get out some of these apex cards like it's a seven eight hours it's, it's like a seven hour watch for a card that like has no significant meaning or stakes like look at next week's card like next week's card as of right now there's 10 fights 10 fights for a card like this 10 fights is what it's chef's kiss chef's kiss Perfect. All Apex cards should be 10 fights. No more. No more. You want to do a six-fight main card? I don't care. Five, fight, five prelims, five-fight main card. Like, that is how every Apex card should be laid out. Ten fights. Ten. Six-fight main card should not happen. None. Zippo. I don't like six-fight main cards. Although the awesome one's not bad. But, yeah, dude. Yeah, 10, 11, 12 fights. Perfecto. That's what we're looking for. That's the sweet spot. Viking is waving away, so let's bring him in. And then we'll get we'll try to get to everybody. Once once we get all the fighters of the scale, we'll uh, we'll wrap. Go ahead, Viking. Hey buddy. I can't help it. I just want to talk about Benil Darius. I mean, that guy. That guy is out of his fucking mind. I I was listening to him in a Bisping interview, and that guy still doesn't want to be a champion. That guy has a fear that if he wins, that they are going to match him against with Gamrot or some or something else or someone else. The only thing he did not get a fight or the only thing he did not get a chance to fight for the title because just because of him, that guy is not appealing appealing for his title shot and he is responsible. He should not be crying if he loses uh, on on Sunday. And that's it and one more thing, if you ever meet Conor McGregor, tell him that a woman is not a birth-giving machine, a woman is a human being. Thanks a lot.
Thanks, man. Um, yeah, dude, we talked about Vanilla earlier. Just we put a mic, dude. Just fun. here, and what's so crazy is like Vanilla is fun. Like he's a fun fighter. It's not like he's a boring fighter. He's a fun fighter. He's an action fighter. His fights are fun. So all you have to do is just like say somewhat correct things on the microphone and you're going to get good things because you are a fun fighter. And he can't do it. He cannot do it. I'll win. I'll fight 10 more guys. I'll do this. This fight, I gained nothing from Armin. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? That's why you didn't get a title shot to begin with. And I understand, like, Benil is who he is. And Benil is not going to be a phony baloney. He's not going to sit there and talk a bunch of trash and cut promos about how people suck at life. He's not going to do that. But all you have to do is say things. After the Gamrot win, he could have just respectfully said, Hey, Islam, you promised that if you won the belt, you would fight me. We were supposed to fight a couple of times. It didn't happen. But you promised that if you'd won the title, I would be your first title defense. I did my part. Are you a man of your word? I hope so. I'll see you whenever. Boom. That's it. But it's like, eh, I don't care. I'll fight 10 more guys before I fight for the belt. No. If I beat Armin Saruki and I gained nothing from that. <sighs> Absolutely wrong. You're a win away. You were a guy who was out of the title picture. Charles Oliver rinsed you in a round. He rinsed him. I thought he was cooked. Done. And now he gets this fight. He has an opportunity to stay in the title picture. He beats Armin Sarukian. He's a win away. How could you say I gained nothing from beating Armin Sarukian? Oh, God darn it. What are you doing? So frustrating. It's so... Look. Do the thing. We, we talked about doing the thing. PFL needs to do the thing, right? Do the thing was like one of our big mottos coming out of 2022. Do the thing. And you want to know, like reflecting on do the thing, you want to know where do the thing came from? It came from Benil Darius. It came from Benil Darius. Do the thing, Benil. Do the thing. Chase, go ahead. Hey, what's up, Mike? What's up, man? Hey, would um, Aldo Dominic Cruz qualify as a super fight? And then um, if, uh, if Khalil wins against Anthony Smith, Anthony Smith's striking looked really good the first round of the Rock Fan fight, and then he just kind of fell apart. Uh, but if Khalil wins, I mean, a Yuri fight, a Pereira fight, like, those are fights I would love to see. And if Bobby Green gets it done, they got to give him 48 next. Thanks, Mike. Heck of a morning. Thanks, man. Uh, we'll get the landscapers outside, so I didn't hear the last part of your question. Um, if Khalil wins... Where does he go? I don't, I, dude, I love the Merzikana fight. Like, I love that. That was an auto point for me. I love that booking.
Um, we have it. We have some news. We have some news. Uh, to nobody's surprise, let me get the exact figure here. Uh, waiting for it, waiting for it. Jalen Turner missed weight. 157. So he missed it by a pound for his fight with Bobby Green, which we knew was going to happen. I'm telling you what, man. I, I mean, look, I, I'm picking Bobby Green. Like, I was, I'm picking Bobby Green. I'm picking Bobby Green. I was going to pick him all week, anyways. It's a vibes that, like, the vibes are all with Bobby Green here. Jalen just seems like completely, like, uninterested in any of this. And he probably cut a shitload of weight to even get to 157. So, yikes. Yep, he missed. We're still waiting on Misha Tate, but we'll probably get a wrap after we hear from our friend Four Round Sniper. Hey, Mike, ahead, can you hear me? Sniper. Yep. Hey, uh, so I guess free for all Friday. Uh, I guess I'll ask a quick question. I guess top five Christmas movies, what would you recommend to watch? I'm going to be off work for about three weeks, maybe about a month. I got nothing but time. So, yeah, top five Christmas movies. Thank you. Top five Christmas movies. Hold on one second. Well, Christmas Vacation is number one, without a doubt. That's number one. I will go. I am. I'm a sucker for for Christmas Story, so that's probably number two. Home Alone number three. Scrooge number four. Five is tough. I'll go Bad Santa. I'll go Bad Santa. Bad Santa's so good. They had to ruin it with Bad Santa too. Um, yeah, I'll go with those. I like if I thought more about it, I would probably um, my list, my my the ranking might be a little different, but I think those are the five. Like those are the go tos. Like those are the hey, if you're flicking through the channels and either of those are on, I'm stopping to watch. Stopping to watch. All right, we got to go. Of course, the timing's perfect because now I'm not going to be able to hear any of you anyways because the landscapers are out doing the damn thing as they typically do when we're doing shows. So uh, preview show coming up in just over an hour. It's going to be the same crew as BTL yesterday, but we're going to mix things up a little bit. Uh, I hosted BTL. Jed and Shaheen were panelists. So we thought, let's mix things up a little bit. Shaheen will host. I'll be a panelist. Uh, I haven't done the panel thing in a while, so I'm pretty excited about that. So join us 1 p.m. Eastern. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, stay tuned at MayFighting.com. Tremendous website. Uh, Misha Tate, the only fighter left to hit the scale. Uh, so stay locked in MMA Fighting, and we'll let you know how that goes. But as of now, all fighters have made weight except for Jalen Turner, who missed by a pound. Misha Tate left to hit the scale and we got a canceled UFC Austin fight uh, between Steve Garcia and Melchizedek Costa 
uh, Garcia suffered an illness and that fight is off the card now. So, uh, yeah, we'll see you at 1 p.m. Eastern, everybody. Have a great rest of your Friday. Have a heck of a morning. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.